What is up, good people? Welcome to the season four premiere of Music Mostly, the podcast where we celebrate the music that is important to us. Thank you so much for joining us. First and foremost, shout out to the very good people in the service and hospitality industries. We are back, baby. And as always, it is our privilege to dedicate the show and our efforts to the work you do for us. We hope to add a little levity to your week to make the skies a little less gray and to inspire you to spend a little more time actively listening to music. Folks, when you go out, I need you to do two things and two things well. One, tip like a rock star. And two, don't be a dick. You guys got anything to add to that? Nope. <laughs> All right, let's rock. It's time to talk about music. It's time to talk about life. Yes, we know you're gonna like We got some tasty hot takes And the jams we just had to kick So saddle up good people While we talk a little bit about music Music, music, music Music, music, music All right I'm your host, my name is Will Olson, and I'm ecstatic to be joined by my good friend and regional icon, Mr. James Raymond Scott. Hello, Jimbo. Hi, hi, hi. How are you this week? I am well. Exhausted, but well. Okay. Okay. We are joined by audio engineer and jingle master, Mr. Brian Gardner. How are you, Brian? I am so good. So good. It is so good to be here. Now, before we get going... I'd like to remind you that we put out the accompanying music playlist to our show a few days before the episode drops, so you have a chance to listen to the music that we are going to talk about today. So check us out on Spotify at Music Mostly Pod, and you can follow us and be notified when the new playlist drop. Folks, it's the season four premiere. We are excited to bring you 10 more episodes of inspired insight, amazing analysis, and most importantly, incredible music. In the spirit of always being better, we want to roll out something new this season. So we're going to try to add a current events type thing to the show. Current in so much as uh, the shows usually come out about a month after we record them. And we're not 100% sure how that's going to shake out, but we will all get there together. All right, fellas. I turned 16 years old on August 30th, 1994. 1994 was a fantastic year to turn 16. I got my driver's license that morning. I drove myself to school in my mom's minivan. It was my minivan now. I smoked a cigarette in the minivan on the way to school. I put a cigarette burn on the driver's side door on the way to school. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. What I remember the most about that birthday is that I received two very different CDs, and I loved them both. One was Dookie by Green Day. You know, do you have the time to listen to me whine? The other was Candlebox by Candlebox. Now, maybe I didn't mean to treat you bad, but I did it anyway. Dookie... <laughs> considered by many to be the best rock album of the year, 1994. Candlebox's self-titled debut came out technically in 1993, but it was a 1994 record. Fun fact, the second single, entitled You, was released on my 15th birthday, August 30th, 1993. Three months later, they released Far Behind. Eleven and one-half months later, they released the follow-up single to Far Behind. It's called Cover Me. Another fun fact, I remember there being a live version of Far Behind getting airplay on the 90s that cut over to a sweet section where they did a cover of Voodoo Child and then back to the epic chorus. Anyway, youdiscovermusic.com has Candlebox noticeably absent from its top 71 albums of 1993. I like to think it made the top 75. So there we are. We have number one and number 
let's say 75. And there are so many albums in between from 1994. You want me to list some? Good. Top 20 <laughs> records that 1994 gave us are Dookie by Green Day, Ready to Die by Notorious B.I.G., Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails, Super Unknown by Soundgarden, Crazy Sexy Cool by TLC, Illmatic by Nas, Definitely Maybe by Oasis, MTV Unplugged in New York by Nirvana, Weezer by Weezer, Grace by Jeff Buckley, Ill Communication by Beastie Boys, Vitalogy by Pearl Jam, Throwing Copper by Live, Park Life by Blur, Live Through This by Hole, Dummy by Portishead, Smash by Offspring, Mellow Gold by Beck, Cracked Rearview by Hootie and the Blowfish, and Corn by Corn. Wow. That's just the top 20. Jesus. Altogether, ridiculous. those albums sold 100 million copies, 100 times platinum. You want to hear something even crazier? Hootie and the Blowfish are responsible for 21% of that. Wow. Oh, my God. You want to hear what did not make the top 20? Here's 21 through 30 from 1994. <laughs> Two by Boys to Men, My Life by Mary J. Blige, Monster by R.E.M., Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain by Pavement, Under the Table and Dreaming by Dave Matthews Band, 16 Stone by Bush, Music for the Jilted Generation by Prodigy, no Need to Argue by the Cranberries, Under the Pink by Tori Amos, and Jar of Flies by Alice in Chains. Wow. This year is so good that Wildflowers by Tom Petty, Tom Petty's arguably best album, is number 35. Wow. This year. <laughs> oh, my God. Incidentally, number yeah, 34 right there. is Purple by Stone Tumble Pilots. Other notable releases from that year, Regulate the G-Funk Era by Warren G, Takao by Method Man, Four by Blues Traveler, Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music by Outkast, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number by Aaliyah, Punk and Drubbuck by No Effects, Far Beyond Driven by Pantera, The Division Bell by Pink Floyd, Chocolate and Cheese by Ween, Stranger Than Fiction by Bad Religion, Do You Want More by The Roots, Rubberneck by The Toadies, Let's Go by Rancid, Teenager of the Year by Frank Black, American Thighs by Faruka Salt, Amorica by Black Crows, Wait by Rollins Band, and Too High to Die by The Meat Puppets. That's not even all 100 of the top 100 records from that year. Like, it's insane. <laughs> but Will, you say, Will, you're just reading a list. That can't be the intro, can it? Well, what am I going to say about those records that they haven't already said about themselves? This was a monster year for rock and roll. And tonight, tonight, good people, we are going to talk about one of the records I mentioned. This is one that is both near and dear to Jimbo and Brian. Some might say it's the cornerstone of their relationship. They may argue a lot about music, but there are two things they always agree on. Number one, the Little River Band. Because yes. one cannot be a lonesome <laughs> loser if one has a buddy. And two, <laughs> Teenager of the Year by Frank Black. Yes. <laughs> this is a new one for me and an oldie and goodie for my buddies. And tonight we're going to get into it. Tonight we're going to play some Pachinko. We're going to play Parcheesi. But before we get to that, Jimbo, what have you been listening to? Oh, man. Um, I had to learn a bunch of Cajun and, like, not really Zydeco, more just New Orleans music for this gigs I did over. So I listened to a lot of damn Neville Brothers, I'll tell you that. Um, it was fun. It was, it was actually fun, and I don't know what I'm saying half the time um, because it's, like, Creole, and, and there's a bunch of words thrown in there that I don't really know what they mean. And I didn't have the time to look them up. Uh, there's that. And then there's also, um, I, I am obsessed with the song Rubber Band Man by the Spinners these days. It seems like everywhere I go it plays too. And it's just so damn catchy. Do you know that song? 
rubber band man? No. No, I would love it if you would sing a couple bars. <laughs> just, I'll just sing you a couple bars. No, no, thank you. Not today. <laughs> um, another fun fact: friend of the show and frequent guest Pete Dog has an autographed picture of Aaron Neville. Really? Yeah, he but, ordered it. That's like, I was like, is that an autographed picture of Aaron Neville? He's like, you wouldn't believe. How, this was like back in the early days of eBay. He's like, you wouldn't believe the auction for that, man. It was intense. <laughs> That's amazing. That just, that, that, that's so much more that's insight into Pete Dog's life. That it, yeah. I've seen them play live, um, I think, at the JVC Jazz Festival at, um, uh, at Saratoga Performing Arts Center, probably when I was in my late teens, early 20s. I'm going to say late teens. And I remember being very impressed by it. I, they were they were really awesome. And then just recently, um, I watched a whole bunch of uh, <clears throat> um, live footage from right around the same time to learn this stuff. And they're, and they're just an outstanding, fun-filled band. And, and, you know, they're all, they're all, you know, they're all related. So that also was kind of a, that always, that always helps, you know. Yeah, Totally. That does help. Like the interrupters. I like to listen to the interrupters, but they're all related. Same thing. Uh, Brian, what have you been listening to? Oh, man, I am obsessed with uh, the, this Tim Heidecker record, um, Fear of Death. So Tim Heidecker is famous for comedy. Uh, Adult Swim stuff, Tim and Eric uh, show or Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job. I always fuck that up. And Tom Goes the Mayor, bunch of stuff. But it's not a comedy record. It's just a really cool kind of country-ish. It's rocking. It's fucking cool as shit. That sounds cool. Listen that does sound it. cool. Just go listen to it. It'll make you feel good. It makes you feel I, really good. I do good. know, I am familiar with this comedy, and it's pretty good. I want to feel good. I like to feel good. <laughs> You know that. what makes me feel really good? Well, talk Sharing about what, what I've been, been listening, listening to lately. <laughs> Way to go, guys. I was about to. You didn't give me time. I was breathing. Um, <laughs> I was half there breathing. I was In. breathing. Not anymore, baby. Not with inward singing. All right. I've been listening to what I, I listen to the Vandals first record and um, Soundgarden. I listened to Super Unknown in its entirety. Uh, I was, man, I just forgot how good that record was. I yeah, probably haven't listened to can... it coast to coast in, in 10 years, but man, like, every song, you're like, fuck, that one's on this album, too? Like, yeah. yeah. I feel like every few years I hit that one. It's just so good. It's been you a little gotta, while for me. Yeah. You got to be in the mood. But, like, oh, it's good. Uh, the last song, Like Suicide, is just, uh, that takes it's... me back. There's a lot of, a lot of late nights. Wait, There's like a, the track on. that's, I think it's right before that, or maybe two songs before it, called Fourth of July. It's like really droning. It's, um, I, I couldn't stop listening to that song. That was just, that one's the one that got me. And I'd get to like some place that had that record on the jukebox, and I would play that song. People like, out of all the songs on this record, why'd you play this? I'm like, because it's freaking awesome. Because yeah. I, I can't listen. listen to Spoon Man again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spoon Man's a <laughs> fine song. It's, it's a fine, fine song. You know? <laughs> but. Expand it's your that, horizons here. Spoonman is is up there with, um, for me personally, with Rooster by Alice in Chains. Where I just, oh, yeah. I'm, like, I'm just like, it's a great song, and I'm just done with it. I just yeah, you can't, don't. Yeah, I just heard it too many times. 
And it's, it becomes like one of those songs where like it's the only song by the band that people like know. And you're like, there's a lot of other songs. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm mean, trying to not sound like, you know, music snobby. It's just like this is an objectively fantastic, phenomenal Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band. And you're just listening to this one song. Yeah. I, they, I feel like yeah. it's like it's one of those things where. I have a tendency to get obsessed with a certain thing, and you guys know this, and uh, and then I'll just wear it out myself and make myself <laughs> sick of it. That's one thing. I've done that to myself. <laughs> but when, like... I don't need to do that. But when... The, <laughs> and I'm just like... Where, where it, it makes me physically ill to hear it. I've just... I, <laughs> like, I immerse yes, myself. Yes, Jimbo, in, we've all heard about the Lonesome Loser. <laughs> <laughs> lonesome loser. <laughs> Great example. Um, but if, if, it's, if it's done against my will... Then uh, that's I don't like that, you know because I don't, I don't, because, I don't care for that. Yeah, general well, society no just force feeds themselves like this sugary cereal thing over and over again until their teeth rot out. You know, come on. So Good point. Come on, come, come on. on. <laughs> All right, um, Brian, you were going to say something. You good? I I, I feel okay. good. All right, let's yeah, take a break. I feel good. Uh, when we come back, we are going to talk about The Tipping Point by Tears for Fears, this record yeah. that just came out. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but they just put an album out, and we want to talk about that. So we'll be right back. We're back. All right, real quickly. It's February 28th, 2022, as we record this. And Tears for Fears have just released the first record in 18 years. I think uh, that's right, yeah. 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 Um, it's called The Tipping Point. I, I listened to it a couple times today at work, passively, not actively, but I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I was interested to get you guys' take on it. My my big thing is that I have not listened to it, so I won't be able to give you my take. I will. Here's my take. I'm very excited to listen to it, but I'm also apprehensive because anytime somebody hasn't done something for 18 years, you get this. Well, maybe it's going to be awesome, and and then it doesn't live up to your expectations. Um, I in this case, I can imagine that these guys probably have done something quite awesome and will satisfy me just because of who they are, and yeah. I, I will say this, like Songs from the Big Chair, it's not, but, I mean, but what is? That's a yeah. landmark record. Yeah. But it it sounds to me very much like the record that the guys who put that out 30 years ago would put out today. Like yeah. It, yeah I, it, I think it stays true to them, but doesn't sound like an 80s record. No. No, but it has all those elements just done differently in a, in a way I, I i just it's a little bit darker it doesn't have any standout hits either to me i mean there, yeah. there's moments but you know it doesn't have any of those big anthemic things i think it's more of a nod like i get more like depeche mode i get a or, lot or of like depeche new mode. order like nods to that stuff where it's where maybe like you know not as pop is what they were doing Hmm, hmm. Back, back then. 
That makes it even more interesting to me. Well, to I think it's like appealing. like songs from the big chair had a darkness to it, mm-hmm. and I feel sure. like this is just like more of that explored. But um, well, if you think I about the stuff it. that came after the songs of the big chair, um, like uh, the, the um, sowing the seeds of love, stuff like that, it definitely got away from their eighties sound and right. it was more and mm-hmm. now and that was drunk, being retro in the 90s it was being psychedelic uh you know with all the big hand flanges and all that stuff mm-hmm. um and uh, and then and then you got woman in chains on that record too which was you know it, it was definitely it sounded like it no longer was an 80s band it was now the next step from an 80s band and it was happening in the 90s and it was the technology was reflected in it um so i i, I wonder if they're, if, if they're, ch- my concern is, I, I would want them to go back to the 80s thing. Um, I mean, but- there's plenty, plenty of moments and, and sounds and things that evoke it, but I don't think it's specifically 80s. Yeah. Yet. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you feel that way, Will. I think it's, it doesn't, it doesn't to me sound like an 80s album in the way that songs for the big chair does now i mean do i feel that way because i was a kid when that record came out and it was the 80s and the singles from that were everywhere and so i can't hear it without transporting myself back to like the pool when i was a kid right maybe maybe but um i don't know this uh i I really dug it I, i really think it's a little more i mean it's I feel like Tears for Fears is more cerebral than people give them credit for. I yeah, agree. Definitely. And um and this reflects that. It has a lot of good. There's it's just solid. Like I was listening to it today at work and there were several times where I like I like like it was on and I was doing something and I was like, "Oh, wait, what was that?" And like I mean yeah. it's just really it's 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 good. It's I mean, it's definitely worth listening. I think to. why I enjoyed it was because the fact that there were definitely moments where you're like, this is undoubtedly Tears for Fears. Never mistake it. But there are also moments where if I just put that, if I heard that, like, I I wouldn't be able to guess that was Tears for Fears. So I kind of like the juxtaposition in a way. That's cool. Where they have some different different things. I mean, even their, their voices sound a little bit different, so that lends to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody. I feel like everybody, except for that one track that sounds like the the solo. <laughs> but everybody's voice gets a little deeper as they as they age. Yeah. So and, and just, we are, you know, in in a spot now where like I'm 43. So yeah, I have people who put out records in my lifetime that are still putting out records, and you can like really hear the change in their voice over over the course of their career. Yeah. Which I dig. Uh, I mean, that just that's that just shows progression and like natural the natural progression of what would happen yeah when you do that kind of thing that's like, you sound old i am old man. i am old, God, old. <laughs> like meatloaf uh, man he, he he was like you know when he got he those last that last few like big concerts that were like, televised and whatever it was like man he's this is really hard for him and yeah. you know he's he's struggling well i think the difference is is you know knowing that you're that you can't do that anymore and adapting yeah. to it and changing and, and being able yeah. to, to still create amazing things, just not quite the same, you know? 
Yeah. Um, I can't sing that in that register or that key. Yeah, anymore. be able to be able you know, to um, work within your inside your limitations. Yeah, because I mean the talent, and all you know, all the ideas and the brilliance of it is still there. Yeah, yeah. You just adapt to it, and that's kind of what this is. You know, in a way, I, I would like it like, to okay, be like, like, yeah, we're we're not trying to be twenty five years old making songs from the big chair. I don't actually know how they were old they were. I'm just. In, Estimating. We'll say but 25. We'll, we'll round. That sounds good. Uh, <laughs> I like 25. You know, so... so <laughs> Quarter of a century. When that happens, you're like, oh, I appreciate that, you know, you still have all the same elements of it, but you can execute it in the way that works. For yeah, you I mean, that, it, it's very much like you can ignore it and try and do what you used to do and not quite get... It's like, it's like refusing to put on reading glasses as you get on the It's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put on reading glasses. Or, you know, it's even worse giving up your driver's license. I mean, I, when I went through that with my with my parents, I was like, oh. Yeah, there's a moment. Yeah. yeah, right? Those big yeah. life moments where you're like, oh, shit. I'll never Jesus. be the same again. Um, nope. I'll never... <laughs> Never get to that point head over heels again. Well, <laughs> it's over. <clears throat> Maybe. Anyway, you guys got anything else you want to say about that? I, I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Listen, I'm really excited to listen to it, it. It's, it's, especially it's a cool, after what cool you guys record. have just been saying. It really yeah. it, 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 it fuels the flame for me just it, uh, that much more. Yeah. Solid endorsement from this guy. All right. Uh, we'll, okay. We'll take a quick break. We come back. We're talking Teenager of the Year by Frank Black. Be right back. We're back. Okay. Teenager of the Year. Now, this was a new one for me. I just think it's very interesting to me that um, this is an album that I had not ever listened to until until you guys put me onto it. And this is like one of your favorite records, both of you. Um, so I can't wait to get into it. Okay. It was released on May 23rd, 1994. Produced by Eric Drew Feldman, by Frank Black, and by Alistair Clay. Uh, Frank Black songwriting credits on all the tracks, all twenty-one of them. <laughs> um, is it twenty-two? I think it's twenty-one. Okay, Might be twenty-two. Okay. I, think I can be wrong. One. You're more familiar with it than I. I've am. been saying twenty-two for years. But I don't. I don't. I didn't actually lie. count them. That's all. all lie. Lie. <laughs> He's short. No, you're right. It's I haven't actually counted it's, it. It's, it's twenty-two. Just for the oh, okay. So I was wrong. That's fine. I can accept that. We move on. We Sorry to no correct more. you on your own we show. Got it's, 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 it's our show. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, chart performance. Uh, Billboard Heat Seekers chart number two, top 200, number 131. Uh, rated number 95 on Pitchfork's top 100 albums of the 90s. This was um, not appreciated in its own time, right? No. Number two on Heat Seekers, though. I didn't know that. That's actually pretty. That's, that's kind of cool. I, yeah. That was like big and, in that era. Yeah. I yeah. feel like. Well, that's like the, you know, all the college rock stuff. Like this exactly. is like college rock canon. Of course. Of course. So, um, but Jimbo, take, like you've been on this since it came out, right? Yeah, pretty much. I, uh, um, you know, I came into the Pixies uh, at the very end or post Pixies, really. I was in a band with 
uh, somebody who was a huge fan, and uh, we actually covered Where's My Mind. Now, this is before... This before is it was be- cool? Uh, no, uh, before <laughs> Fight Club came out. Yeah, right. So a, a lot of people, huge. like, yeah. people my age that were on the cutting edge knew this song. Um, but people, the general public did not. Of course not, yeah. N- now it's enormous household song. It's, it's yeah. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because of Fight Club. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that introduced it to another generation. And now it's, it's so, yeah, I hear bluegrass covers of it and stuff like that, yeah. you know, which, you know. But the point is, um, when these records came out is uh, when I really got into him. And then I was looking back at the rest of the Pixies catalog. And I could, it was very clear the difference uh, between what um, Charles Frank Black was doing and what, what the, the Pixies were doing. And, uh, um, but you, you could call hear- him Charles the Frank Black. Yeah, no, no, I, I corrected Frank myself halfway through like- it. Charles Thompson. His real name is Charles Thompson. <laughs> He's released records as he was Black, Black Francis with the Pixies. When he went on his solo career, he called himself Frank Black. Um, and then he has also released um, uh, some solo stuff as Black Francis. Um, uh, but it's really Zero things Charles, Charles Thompson. Thompson. Charles Thompson. Well, I, I never right. even knew that. I watched an interview with like Joey Santiago at some point, and he was like, oh, Charles. I'm like, who the fuck is Charles? Yeah, Charles is and Frank Black. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, it's not a, it's, it's kind of, a, like he does with a lot of things, with his lyrical content, with his songwriting, he's almost mocking himself or the idea of being an iconic um figure in music and i think that he's not real um concerned with people knowing that his real name is not frank black or black francis I, yeah i don't, think, I don't he think he gives cares. a shit he's charles and that's all there is to it there's he's, a there, well, there's he's not a very, charlie or chuck yeah no it's charles <laughs> yeah, he's charles it's very, yeah, Go for very it. specifically charles chaz maybe he's a chaz, chaz? oh yeah, he, he could definitely be a chaz, chaz actually oh my he's got chaz all over his grandma calls him chaz yeah <laughs> But um, there's a there's a very tongue-in-cheek kind of playfulness to the lyrics all over this album. Oh, yeah. Which, I, which has, I love. He has taken that sort of um, wordplay and taken it to a level that I don't think a lot of people have before him. And it, he's super, super clever at it. And it's almost like um, you think of like the... Um, the Jabberwocky or, or something, you know, something like that. It's, 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 it's alliteration for the sake of alliteration a lot of times. And it's, and it's mispronouncing words in order to fit them into a rhyme scheme or, or making up words. Um, so there's that- certainly a, a hundred percent to cut you off. There's certainly a, a sense of vocals because there needs to be vocals here, but the words don't overthink the words. Yeah, but then at the same time, if you get into the words, they all mean something. It's it's they it's, do. Well, that's I've always like yeah, debated that. Where do you think he he actually sits down and figures? I I think it's more natural for him. I, yeah. I think it just flies yeah. out. I think it just I, comes it, it out just out flows. Of him. It's almost yeah. like free, freestyle rap or whatever. Where where like most people would. Ha- spend their lifetime to think of that stuff and he yeah. that's what just comes out of him. Well, I think that's one of the reasons he's so damn prolific. He has so much material out there. Yeah, it, I mean, like, th- there are four Pixies records, or five. Five Pixies records. Well, with Trompelmont, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and then the new ones, but the original ones. <clears throat> but in between the, the original Pixies records and the later ones, um, I can't tell, I can't even, I can't, I'm going to venture a guess at maybe 
15 records. He's so, put does out, that sound right? Hit, like for him, per se, yeah, yeah. I would have between, to assume between the so. Catholics and between the Black and, Francis and, and Frank Black. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say that number is probably very close. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, and that might be a little high, but still, think about that. That was 15 records in 20 years, and and again, yeah. a lot of these have. A, I mean, this record has 22 tracks on it. Zero of them are duds. Now, I won't say that about all of his stuff. I always have <laughs> on, on a Frank Black's record. I, I usually have. Um, uh, at least one or two tracks, and I'm like, ah, eh, that's a skip. Um, but then there's always like other stuff that I just crave, you know. But yeah. this record in particular, I want to hear it in its entirety. Always. Brian and I, for always. years working at the bar, it, it, this would be when we couldn't come up with anything else. We'll have it, someone would just put this on, and, and we'd both be like, that works. Or. And we would listen the entire record all the way through, regardless of who was in the bar. <laughs> it didn't fucking matter. Because it doesn't actually matter. Like, it, no. it, it's a good... Well, and it's a cool bar record because there's just enough pure pop on it that whenever, yes. just right about the time somebody's like, what the fuck? Like, headache will come on. Or yeah. Big Red will come on. They're like, oh, all right. Yeah, this is okay. yeah and, there's, and there's also... <laughs> but, but also inside the songs, you might have just like this discordant sort of uh, uh, jangly uh, cacophony moment happening and then all of a sudden boom it's there's like purity of just melody and just and just strength and just catchiness and it happens yeah. inside songs this happens so on this record to me like there's a lot of um what I'm now calling like Disney World moments where so like at, in Disney World when you go from like future land to adventure land to and Mickey Land and Miniland or whatever they call them, like they intentionally change the sidewalk, like the texture and the color of the sidewalk and the roads changes. And they do that so that even if you're not paying attention as you traverse from one world to another world, you you see that or you just feel it on your feet and you look up like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and this, this record is full of tiny little moments like that where even, even if you, if your mind was drifting while you were listening, you're like, wait, wait, what was that? Like, what's going on here? Always something yeah, to yeah. back. Yep. He does yep. it by, uh, he does it with melody. He does it with timing. dynamics. Yeah, there's timing, so much, dynamics, so much yeah. weird. There's so much like, you know, one two three four. One two three four. One two. One two three four. One two three four. One two three. One two three four. Like that's always, just, that's always been his thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's all over the place, and it's it's great. It just keeps you on your toes. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's 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 a uh, it's very easy to actively listen to this record because you almost have to. I I can say, as somebody who hadn't listened to it until we started preparing for this episode, the first few times, like I was like, this is a hard listen. Not like in a bad way, but like in a like there's just a lot going on. Like this is a lot to wrap your head around. Yeah. In these little two minute long rock songs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, I, I don't know how much of that you I think that any uh intention um in that area would have been in post. Okay, we've got these songs written. Now what order do we put them in? Oh, we've got to make this segue a little different because it sounds like I'm going from this into that, and it's too good a segue. We want to change gears here. You know what I mean? I think probably mm -hmm. what you're talking about, a lot of that happened in post. I don't think that that was intentional, especially with 22 songs. I agree with you. I think this sounds like a collection of stuff that he just had in the hopper, and he's like, I want to work on this stuff. Right. And then, okay. like, and then you kind of, 
you know, you, you put it all together. But for whatever reason, though, it definitely, in that post-production element of it, came together like a motherfucker because yeah absolutely and and i let's i think it's important to note for the listener and uh is that um this listeners, is not the, plural the, listen there yes one <laughs> listener it's out there finally we <laughs> call there. we call him bill thanks bill for <laughs> tuning in again um we we it's it's important to note that this is not his first solo effort it's his second, his second one. yeah um and the Same first producer, one was right? also very very good what's that uh, Eric Feldman produced the first one yeah, as well. Yeah, yep, I believe so, yeah. Because they um, were like songwriting partners or at least like musical. It was like a musical buddy that was outside of the Pixies. Right, right, right. That he, that, that he worked with. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I, um, it's important to note that um, this was his second record and it's much longer than the first record. Uh, and I also feel like the first record is very, very good. Um it's it's fantastic. It's got one of my favorite songs of all time, Los Angeles on it. Oh yeah, Ramona. I mean, just the Fu Manchu, all that great stuff on the first record. But um, um, I feel like it was slightly more successful and better. I feel like it's more. It's closer to being a masterpiece than than the first one. Yeah, um, the first record hinted, and then this was the fruition. When this happened, when I I started starting this this record, I remember just being like sitting there with my jaw hanging on the floor, mm-hmm. and just being like, "Holy, what just happened?" And this, this is, is like the week it came out. You know, yeah. I was I had a copy, a CD copy, and I was like, I I just I listened to it over and over again. And I couldn't stop. I just went back to the beginning, just went all the way through again, and all the way through yeah. again. This record definitely has like a mag magnum opus kind of feel. To yeah. It. Yep. Like this well, is. I don't know, Brian. You're shaking your head. What are you saying? <laughs> no. Oh, oh, it does. Sorry. No. You're. You're. You're absolutely right. 100%. Absolutely not. No. No. no, yeah. no. And furthermore. Um, okay. All right. Bob. Before we go too far down rabbit, there's a couple things we want to hit on before we go to break. Uh, Jimbo, you wanted to talk about Lyle Workman. He's a guitar yeah. player. Um, I want to start that conversation by saying track number two is called Thalassocracy, and there's a guitar solo on it that. I think is like if somebody was like, "What? What does college rock sound like?" I would play him that solo. I'm like, "This is, this is pretty much what it is. Uh, yeah. that solo is also the end of the song, by the way, which is just yeah. cool. Yeah, that happens <laughs> a lot. That's right. It does happen a lot. I like that. Yeah. Uh, do you have any Lyle Workman uh, uh, credits and stats pulled up? I do, no. and it's it's a plenty. Why don't you do just because read up a few because people need to know who this guy is. Okay, so Lyle Workman, outside of his work on this has done, he, he's actually a composer. He does music for film, TV shows, has worked a ton with Judd Apatow. Yeah. Um, super bad, 40-year-old virgin, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, uh, The Incredible Burt Wonderstone, Get Him to the Greek, Yes Man, Knocked Up, Bad Santa too. I mean, these aren't all Apatow, but you get it. Was uh, that like as, like, did he score those or was he like music director for those? This was um, he composing music okay. for these films. Yeah. So, uh, you know, not... Uh, That's he's like he's the score, creating the right? original music yeah. for the, the, yeah. these. Um, but also uh, TV shows, uh, Love, that was an Apatow thing, Crashing, that was on HBO. Uh, and played with John Bryan in the band Jellyfish. He's played with Beck and Sting. Uh, yeah. Todd Rundgren 
Yep. Yep. Beck, Sting, Todd Rundgren. And that's, I mean, in those instances, he would probably have to stick with um, whatever, because as Sting's touring guitar player, they're yeah. playing it's stuff. Like, here's the music, that, you play yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. So, it ain't about you. <laughs> my point here is that I think that with this Frank Black stuff, my feeling is that this is what this guy really sounds like. Given his druthers, if he, given his you know, free reign to do whatever he wants to do, I think that this is what he would want to sound like. And that's why you hear him so much on um, uh, fr uh, the Frank, on, on Frank Black Records. Um, and, and he's also, I'm pretty sure he, he was a guitar player when I saw them up in Syracuse as the uh, Frank Black and the Catholics. He's the, on uh, a bunch of the Catholic stuff, right? I think we've, we've yeah, talked about that before, Jimbo, right? We've, we've yeah, yeah. That out. So, but also, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Scott Pilgrim uh, in the universe, yeah. okay, takes Scott on Pilgrim universe. versus yeah. the world, or yeah, yeah versus the world. Boy, um, boy meets world. So Scott the the, meets world. the female <laughs> the the female uh, uh, lead, uh, the character's name is Ramona, and um, they use the song Ramona from his first record, but not only and that, because he was the he was the. Um, uh, composer, but I think he was also musical uh, director or whatever for you. Um, anyways, um, but then there's another piece on there that is uh, just sort of an instrumental piece that is mostly acoustic guitar that very, very much sounds like Ramona. Like they took the, the yes. melody from Ramona and, <laughs> and used this theme. And it made me, I'm not kidding you, I was watching the movie, which is a fun movie. It's a little stupid. It's comic booky and yeah, ridiculous right. and over the top. But I've got tears streaming down my face because I realize what he's done. And I'm, and it wasn't until the credits at the end that I'm like, oh, because it's fucking Lyle Workman. That's why that just happened. Um, yeah, dude. <laughs> this guy. So I, I just want to throw a couple other things out there under the collaborations that are probably just a little more obscure for him, but bigger names. Cheryl Crow. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, Shakira. Wow. Uh -huh. yep. <laughs> Several times with Shakira. Sarah Bareilles, Nora Jones, Heard Alanis her. Morissette. Heard wow. her. Uh, several things with Michael Buble. Oh, yeah, Michael Buble. I saw that too, yeah. Heard of him. Ziggy Marley, Brian Adams, Rob Thomas, Sarah McLaughlin. Wow. Uh, dude yeah. is pretty prolific. Well, and he's all over the place too. Yeah, it, seems, like, it feels like as you, because the way I was reading his um, um, Wikipedia page, it feels like he's done more stuff with Frank Black than he's done with anybody, though. This has been kind of yeah. his home, you know, for being a rock star. And, and it's kind of awesome. I, it I, is I, awesome. It's, I, speaking of awesome, I, I think that, like, if we ever get big enough to have, like, show swag, like, should have bumper, bumper stickers, music mostly bumper stickers that just say, oh, it's fucking loud work. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll start talking about some of our favorite tracks. We probably won't get to all of them because there's so goddamn many of them, but we'll do our best. And we're back. All right, let's wrap up talking about Teenager of the Year. 
uh, as quickly as the three of us can, which might take a little bit. Yeah, um, days. <laughs> okay, let's start it off by we got to start at the beginning, right? The one-two punch of whatever happened to Pong and then Thalassocracy. I think that's such a great way to start the record. Like, whatever happened to Pong changes twice before it becomes the song that it's going to be. And I feel like that sets it up. That sets you up for the record, which is basically like, this shit's going to be all over the place. And you're just going to have to be okay with that. And um, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like hardcore, Kinda, a little bit, and like the vocals are real sloppy, almost like slurry. And then, uh, like that song feels like, like have you ever watched Trey Cool from Green Day playing his drums? And like the drums seem like they're kind of not even really like screwed together, right? Like they're like it seems like his whole drum set is about to fall apart, and like you don't know how he's just hanging on. And like that song rickety. feels like that the whole time, like it's yeah, just it's hanging on for dear life. Yeah, it's and then break, yeah, breakneck speed, paddle paddle, the side to the side, and then the next song uh, is like a, just a very tight rock song, and it gets into those weird times where. It's like da 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 like it does. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing straight time about either of these songs. No. And they're the first two tracks in the record. And what first of all, the song Pong is about a guy who um whatever happened to Pong. So this is a guy, they call him Pong because he was very good at ping pong. And he would go down to the wherever the ping pong tables were and he would take people's money and he would he was like a ping pong shark. I mean, does this sort of thing exist? Un- underrated I don't shark. Know. <laughs> it's just nobody absolutely sees hilarious. a ping pong shark coming. <laughs> no one sees that. Um, it takes money from guys who are used to playing the pong, you know. And that's what the paddle, the paddle, the side of the side of the side of the side of the paddle, the paddle. It's 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 hilarious. And no one yeah. has ever written a song about this. And and no one has ever written a song that sounds anything like this. It's completely unique. And he opens a record with it. And it's Is this just harmonica like, on that track. Uh, like. Yeah, um, I, I I just think that uh, to put it in the number one slot on a on an album of twenty two tracks is one of the ballsiest moves I've ever seen uh, of anybody. I, I disagree, and I, I say I disagree because for me, like that song just drew me in. Like, yeah, I was, like, yeah, I was I like, I want to hear everything that this album is about. Yeah, to hear. yeah. So I, I think that, but I, I, I can see like from a commercial standpoint being like, that's, that's not track. Well, I think there's like, a, well, I think we, I don't we, know. we, we kind of touched on it already, but I think there was a very concerted effort of track listing on this. Maybe, but the way it plays out is, is I, I think very it, it almost yeah. certainly was not conceived of as an album with these tracks in this order, right? Like, it no, almost no, certainly was like, I not. have these songs, and, like, how can we make this right. sound yeah, like an album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, honestly, I think also that his M.O. has always been how far out on the outer fringes of commercialism can I be and still draw in uh, the listener in a way that something that is very commercial and very... Uh, uh, custom tailored for the, the the normal ears. You know what I mean? How far can I go out to those edges? And, you know, that's always been his thing. Well, he towed yeah. that line, I mean, and and, and, exp- and and pulled that line in both directions over his yeah. career. So, you know, yeah. I mean, that, that was always his thing. It's, pretty, which, it's very clear on this record, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
All right, let's move along. Jimbo, let's talk about, what do you want to talk about, Speedy Marie or Cal Stanway? Mm, mm. Let's go Speedy Marie first. Okay. Speedy, Speedy Marie. Marie is a great song. It's very, it's, it's, it's so pretty, and it's telling a character, Speedy Marie, ahead of them now. She's better built, that's how. She's built for speed. Speedy <laughs> Marie. It's just... Lyrically, it's stunning. I mean, it's always stunning with with his lyrics, but he's got a brand of smooth that I think uh, Dre doesn't have it in a way. You know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. he's got a way of delivering stuff that is just so fucking smooth. Um, It's beautiful, and I think it's very, very um, obvious in this song that he's... uh, uh, and then it, at the end, it, tri- it gets to, to so you got um, chorus first, chorus first, and then you got outro. It's not outro. a bridge; it's an outro. Right. It's, it's a whole. Outro. It's yeah. It's, it's like a whole the, thing. It's, it's like a the, bridge in so much that it bridges to the end. Yeah, to the end exactly. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't bridge to another. Well, there's almost two parts of it, but before, there's no okay, chorus. So, there's no. It, it, it just kind of moves. It's it, there's kind of more sections of the song than. Let me just explain it. For the listener. Uh, so the end of the song, the last verse, the outro, whatever you want to call it, the first letters of the lines spell out the name Jean Marie Walsh. And that's how he ends the song. And there's two kind of distinct parts. Like hmm. the Walsh, the last five lines are done vocally differently than the first two parts as well. Like it's almost like that's the outro to me. So Jean is J-E-A-N. Yeah, because it start, the first Ju- word of, the, of that last line is juxtaposed. Juxtaposed. Yeah. juxtaposed. And now, first of all, you put juxtaposed into yep. your... Yeah. I mean, you're yeah, just... You're I, just I, I, I want to give you a hug. You know what I mean? Just quick shout out it's to Super Furry Animals. <laughs> yeah. Super Furry Animals have a song called Juxtaposed With You, which is a great song. Yeah. Okay. And it's the yep. only other instance of that word in rock and roll that I know of. <laughs> you're aware of. It probably does exist. Yeah, maybe, but... I'm sure it does. Um, next up is Calistan Way, which, uh, God, I love that song. It's Play just, some Play some Pachinko. Yeah, so it got referenced and then and then cited in... Uh, My man, uh, Nick Hexum and 311's Blue Album. 311, yep. Yeah, the so, song I mean, is called Misdirected Hostility. And by the way, later on, if, listeners, if you continue to listen to us, you're going to hear us talk about that record. We later will on talk the about that record. Uh, but I would like to point out that <clears throat> this came out in 94. They would have been recording that record at the time, so he was listening to it. Right. At the top. Like Maybe there's some yeah. insider that was giving him, um, feeding him. You know what I mean? Maybe there was something in the industry that he was hearing. Dude, it of course. Like, those guys yeah. were all hit. Like, yeah, they're they, all they were all hit to this shit, Incestuous. man. Incestuous. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it goes that far, but like. Oh, I, I thought that's what you meant. Okay. I didn't, what? What? Um, <laughs> Cal State Waves also, I just want to throw this out real quick. I always felt like could have been a great follow-up to Los Angeles on his first record. It's about the same city. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And I just um, like the way, if you actually listen to them back to back, which I have put in a playlist, it kind of makes sense. I just, yeah, because it's, 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 okay, folks, it's about, um, it, the, basically the lyrical, lyrics are, are explaining uh, sort of a sentimental return to a town um, that he's not been to in a number of years, and he talks about all the things that have changed and all the things that are still there. I put down a blanket on cigarette butt beach. I saw the My old man. My favorite line was, maybe in any song, by the way. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, you know, yeah. But he's like, it, it, uh, I saw the old man who was doing okay, making his last stand in old bottles and cans yep. down there, yeah. Calistan way. way. Come on. 
<laughs> that's like Tom Waits level right there. That's like that's yeah. no joke. That's oh yeah, really good storytelling. I mean 100%. the images. You see, you know, you know what I mean. Who's the old man? Oh, I gotta know. You know what I mean? It's like, oh god, it's so good. That's good. Um, and it's just and also a lot of workman's guitar work on this is very Nashville. It almost sounds like a pedal steel. Yeah. But I think that he's doing a pedal steel imitation. Maybe a B bender. Maybe. Maybe. I was just going to say B bender. I was just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was going to say. Will was right there. <laughs> um, uh, and then also, I want to talk a little bit about a song called Freedom Rock. Now, Freedom Rock is mostly about, you, you hear me say things like this all the time. Um, I don't like listening to the radio because the radio, <laughs> the radio, the radio. I just, I'm doing air that's quotes they, right now. That's what they want you to listen to. That's what they Exactly. I don't like being force fed music. Be a if chump. a friend that I trust their judgment wants to turn me on to something, I'm probably going to listen to it. And there's about a 70 to 80% chance that I'm really going to like it because I like that person. They know my, my musical taste. But I've got to tell you, the general, uh, no. People don't know, when it, especially the big entities. They have no idea what I like. So, Jimbo, get where you're going. <laughs> where I'm going is, this is what this song is about. It's about a, a guy who is, they try to give me advice down at the record shop. I said, sit down, boys. Uh, this may come I'm as a shock. A shot. And he goes, shock, 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 shock. It's all I listen to. It's all freedom it rock. rock. Okay, first of all, the song opens, and it, it sounds like the freaking who. It's yeah. like Keith, Keith Moon on drums. Well, the, the, the whole transition of this mus musicality in this song is, is yeah. maybe the best example. There's like of, some reggae in this song. It's, it like, goes to a very, very rigid white reggae thing with piano bass. And then the riff is which like is almost kind of metal, awesome. like the da na 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 You know? Yeah. Dun, 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 it's dun, real dun. heavy. Oh, it's, it's super heavy. It's like everything you've ever wanted to hear in a rock song. And the first thing he does, he introduces himself. My name is Chip. Chip. And I'm different. And the, all you can see is this guy smoking a cigarette in a trench coat and just who will not be told anything, you know? And he's just, like, playing this character. And then he goes into this thing about people at the record shop. You know, oh, God, it's so good. It's so good. I love there's a line, or it's it's in the course, where it says, nobody owns the, the pleasure, pleasure of tones. Of tones. Pleasure of tones, guy man. With no ear. Guy with no ears. That's a yeah. fucking great, that's such it's a great It line. is. In other words, everyone's opinion sucks, so shut the fuck up. Why are we even doing this show right now? The phrase, like, pleasure of tones. Oh, well, true. <laughs> Who says pleasure of tones? The pleasure of tones. Who the fuck says that? Is that, like... Because it rhymes with owns, and it's a genius Did he come up move. with that, or is, it in that, is that, like, <laughs> from a book from, like, thousands of years ago? I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's, and, it's well, Chaucer. And it's because it works. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like in, in Calistan Way, when it's like, my friend Steve is the king of karaoke. Yeah, yeah. He struck up a chord and took it away. Well, that's, a, yeah. yeah, right. Out, like, of, out of the pan and into Japan. Dude. Down there, Calistan yeah. Way. Just <laughs> pronouncing things differently. Like, yeah. yeah. What? Actually, like, that that line, the king of karaoke line, has a real, like, kind of salt and a swing kind of thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I'm going to put, so, quick uh, aside, instead of, of me pissing everybody off by saying all of the things that I <laughs> thought about while I was listening to this record. I'm just going to put them on the playlist, but there's a lot. Put them on, yeah, like there, there is, I mean. I mean, I got, I got Brian Adams, I got Big Head Todd and the Monsters, I got nice. Bowie, I got The yeah. Clash. Like, I mean, it's just, it's all over the place. He runs yeah, the gamut. So. I mean, it's, yeah. he He's like the filter that everything since he existed comes out of. 
Yeah, he, he's yeah. very, very good. And as he got older, he turned quite Nashville-ish for a bit. Um, he did that. Uh, Everybody camera. does. Well, that. that Catholic stuff got a little country for a while. Oh, super country. Mm-hmm. And you and you still had uh, our, our our Lyle Workman playing on it. But he, but he pulled out his country. I feel like, I mean, yeah, with dude. a name like Lyle Workman, you better be able yeah, to play Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> you need Lyle. Lyle. <laughs> well, get old Lyle to bring his get fit over. You're generally married to... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right, what's another song that we want to... I want to talk about Ole, Ole, yeah. Ole oh, yeah. from Holland. You He wrote a song... About William Mulholland, specifically because William Mulholland was the water superintendent for Los Angeles from 1921 to 1928, oh, and he built the aqueducts. And Frank Black was like, "I'm gonna write a song about that." He oh, writes a lot like, of songs about. He writes about Los Angeles a whole awful lot. Well, there's yeah. that line that sounds like it's a sample from something where he's saying, "The concrete of the aqueducts will last yeah, right. the, the path it's of taken, blah, 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 blah. It's taken from a speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it like is an election stump speech. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, the song's pretty much about how man fucked up the desert to make Los Angeles. Like, yeah, of course. But um, yeah, and I know I said I wasn't gonna do this, but just indulge me this one time. <laughs> it, <sighs> It sounds so much like Big Audio Dynamite, like with the the vocal samples behind it and like the dancing yeah. drums, yeah, and like yeah. so so much. Yeah, like it's pretty Big much straight Dynamite. up a disco beat. No, it, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely get where you're coming. It's like from there. disco beat on the heavy end, you know. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, there's so many great songs. Vanishing I mean, yeah, Spies. How do, how you, do I'm we... just gonna name songs. You tell me if you want to talk about Vanishing Spies. Well, uh, man, talk about that. Oof. Yeah, I think we're going to do this on every song. I don't know if Dude, it's a great and idea. Actually, Lyle Workman's best work, I think, is in the song Phaser Eyes. The vanishing Spies. Oh, Phaser oh. Eyes, yeah. You no. got your Phaser Eyes on. Yeah, it's like that. It's like big slide like you've never heard. So good. Um, keep going. Sorry. Um, I want to talk about Fiddle Riddle. Uh, I love Fiddle Riddle. Just, great just a, a random reggae song with a piano bass line in the middle. No, that's of the where the record. piano bass is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 in the, I think it's track eleven. It's like the middle of the record. And uh, what's fair, like what's fair is fair to me. Yeah, it's, like, it's, uh, it's uh, and the guitar player. He's again. He's talking about all the things. In music, as if you were like somebody who knew nothing about music, and you were sitting to talk, talking to somebody that you thought did know more about music, and you say things like, "Well, first of all, the first line is ridiculous, but we won't go there first. But <laughs> something, something about, um, uh, you know, don't know if it's right, but I like the bass, so turn up the bass. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know if it's right." Well, it's, nothing's yeah. right. If you like bass, turn up the fucking bass. It's not right or wrong. Just do it. Yeah. But he's like, "What is that acceptable?" Or you know, I don't know if it's right. You know, turn. But do you mind if I turned up the bass? Yeah, exactly. So the 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 first line of it is, "Once stood a man on my face." <laughs> Ooh yeah, on my face. Yeah, uh, he, I gobbled him up face. because my taste leaves nothing to waste. I mean, what does that even mean? Yeah. But it's it's just fun. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's so fun. And this song has the little um this little piano ditty thing in it. It's like the thing that the kids learn where you just kind of it's chopsticks. 
You can play it with like your fist on the black keys. Yeah, you do the knuckle thing on the. Yeah, it's not chopsticks. Or chopsticks. But it's the other thing. It has a name. I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know what the name of it either. But uh, can't think of it right now. Yeah, it's just in the middle of nowhere, and it's not like in time or anything. It's just there. Yeah, it's in a different key. Yep, the correct key. Yeah, yeah. So and then like it, built, it like dun, 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 dun. It's like that drop down to match it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, Brian, you wanted to talk about space is gonna do me. Oh, that's a go. You know, can I sub? I want to sub that. I want to talk sure. about Bad Wicked World for a second because. Oh, yeah, it's so good. This is the song that got me into this record. And it was an escape video in probably like 1996. Or seven. It was after this record came out. I didn't. I didn't listen to this record when it came out. But that song got me into this record, and for whatever reason, I don't know why. I mean, it's kind of a weird. Doesn't sound like anything else on the record. It's a super ballsy chug chug shuffle fucking punk song that's just like balls to the wall. It's yeah. great. And it yeah, was that, that where I was like, oh, video fuck. written all over it. Totally. Yeah. So it was just that, and and that opened the floodgates of, of me listening to this record off of that one song that is literally the second to last track. <laughs> it's Weird. like one of those things, you hear somebody say, what a bad, wicked world, and you happen to have a little pad of paper and a pen in your hand, and you yeah. just sit down and start writing, and you realize that, that you just take those three words and make something out of it, and... It's freaking genius. You can't let that go. You can't let it disappear. Right. It, you have to do it right there and then. And, and in my world, that's the way it works. But for him, he's fucking Charles Thompson, so he can do whatever the fuck he wants. I mean, he, he might have been walking around there for 15 years, you know? It's awesome, though. It's such a good song. It is a good one. Um, we can go back to Space is Gonna Do Be Good, though, real quick, because it has horns. I do love that. Maybe I, do. Uh, I just like the horns. That was, that was my whole thing. Ba-da-da, ba-da-da. I like how it... Uh, it sounds in tone like very positive, except for when he says space is gonna do me good, which sounds very just sad. Yeah. Space is gonna like, do me good. Space is gonna do me good. It's kind of uh, like uh, it sounds uh. he sings it, he sings it like like your girlfriend is like breaking up with you and she says, No, the space is gonna do you good. <laughs> but I like how like, it kind of like it's like a phoenix rising from the ashes out of it. It's like yeah. it's not me, that, and then it builds right back out of that. Yeah. So what? Is, but what is he yeah. saying there? It's not me. That you it's don't not like, you. I don't like. Lover boy is, is the insane. same. Is that what he's saying? I'm taking the turnpike. I don't <laughs> I know. I mean, his lyrics. All right. You know, it's it's hard to decipher. I know. I know. He's, it is. Know what's going on um, in that man's brain? Okay, I, I want to save. Well, there's two. There's two songs I definitely want to talk about. Let's talk about Big Red. Um, it's the two pop songs that I, I I'm most drawn to. I think on this record, but uh, Big Red has the. Um, it's another one of these little melody things where he goes, "Here I am with my bucket today." Yeah, and then it just stops. In the minute, like, but it's like uh, that line and the the way he sings it, the melody that he sings it in. You really want that to go for like three more lines, and he doesn't. Yeah, and I and I I gotta believe that he knew what he was doing because it just makes you want to. It, it makes you stop and be like, like you find yourself just humming it over the next line and be like, oh no, I guess we're not doing that again. It's just such a good melody. Yeah. He only sings it four times, right? Yeah, um, which you I know, like. 
I, what I will say about that song, Will, is that's a great example of syncopation. I know we talked about this before. Oh, yeah. But that, that's a great, because it's... So I was just going to say syncopation. Yeah, I was just going to say syncopation. I was just going to say B-rail. I was really B-rod. You're right, though. It is a good... I assume you're right. I don't know. It's a good. It's a great example of syncopation. And then the last song I guess I want to talk about is Headache. It's, that's the, the big pop single. Yeah, that would be their... Uh, but I love his. about that song, um, first of all, I love that he's into the chorus two seconds into the song. I mean, it's just... Yeah, yeah. I love Don't the chorus, chorus to start, the chorus, or a song man. that it's starts right with the chorus. Yeah, I love it. Right in it. You know you got a good chorus if you're like, I can just start with this. It's fine. Yeah, because the, the verses feel like a, feel like a, a, a bridge almost. They're well, there's so... one verse and one bridge. And that's it. And but those lyrics quarters. too, like this wrinkle in time can't give it no credit. I don't know. Yeah. I, I love how it just opens. I also love how he says, I I got me so down, I got me a headache. And and when he says got me, he means it two different ways. Yeah. Which is like I just kind of I don't know. The word it's just like the wordplay that he does. Yeah. Uh, and I just he's really he's like, good. That's he's good. What he's good at. Cause cause um, he, also, can say, we talk about the, the modulation or key change where he, like, goes into... Like, I feel like he's... I wanted to talk to Jimbo about that. He's, he, yeah, he goes way he's up at there. the very top, right? That's, like, yeah, the very yeah. top of his range. I didn't know he had it in him to really hit all that. Uh, well, usually, but, like, falsetto-wise, Yeah, it's usually good. either screaming or falsetto, but yeah. this is, like, a true instance of him just, just belting. Yeah, full voice, doing it, yep. Yeah. And it's, are it's the, really nice. the harmonies at those high parts, those guys are singing falsetto, right? Well, it's yes. him. It's him. It's him on well, the yeah, record. Well, yeah, it's there, I would say, but, uh, like, having seen him live, his guys always do a really good job of uh, filling uh, I've, I've seen, yeah, I've seen Frank Black. I've seen him with the Catholics, and I've seen him solo. So I saw Frank Black with a band, Frank Black and the Catholics, and Frank Black solo. And uh, when he was with the Catholics or um, with, uh, Frank Black before the Catholics, everybody in the band sang, and they all had, they, they filled in the harmonies really well. Yeah. So, they're good, but that but is, I, it's big. Like when they punch it up, yeah, oh yeah, for the last two rounds oh, of the chorus, and then he good. says them back. Like he does the chorus, and then he does it backwards. So yep. yes, yeah, but um, but it really like you you just are like, oh, it's just, I love it when you want a good chorus, and then they pitch, they mm. just punch it up mm. to the top. It just is so good. It's so easy yeah, to yeah. feel that powerful, you know? man. It's a yeah, it's it's actually not. I was gonna say it's a simple trick. It's actually not that simple. As a musician or a, a vocalist, it's like yeah. simple to, to like, be like, oh, I'm just going to sing this in like yeah. the next like whatever range. Yeah. To be like, oh yeah, I can just up that right. Oh, and you're like, oh shit. But I saw an interview with him, and it was recent. I mean, within the last five years, where he's talking about that song, and and he's like, yeah, you know, once we get to about halfway through the tour, like that one is. That one's tough. You put like that. You put that first. That's like your first song. Yeah, yeah. he's like, it's tough to get there. Or sometimes. like you third, open with because you want to get the cobwebs out or first. whatever. Yeah, yeah, but you you yeah. you put that in your opening because you know you're not going to hit that later. In the yeah, set. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, favorite songs, Jimbo. Well, Speedy Marie. What I said. I mean, I think that um, also no, other no. ones. Your one favorite song. The one. What's the one? Oh Jesus! I know. Calistan. Calistan. All right. Makes Brian, sense. Freedom Rock. That's a good one. That's a good one. Bastard. There's too much going on with it. I know. Love. I like. Uh, I think. 
I, part of me wants to say fiddle riddle because part of me wants to like not be the guy who says headache, but really headache is my favorite song. Dude, there's no shame think, in that. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. I don't like, think like I'm, not, I'm not ashamed. There are no duds on this record. That no, when I'm it saying is this, is, it's 22 tracks and there is no filler, zero None. filler. This is all meat and potatoes. <laughs> meat and potatoes. Well, okay, and I know. Strap I, on your eating hat. I've mentioned this before. <laughs> I, I I almost think it's like a tongue in cheek thing where like. A lot of it could just be filler, but the way he executes and, and like can turn a song into something else makes it not that. I also think that the attention to detail in um, giving every song everything you possibly could to make it what it is at the end, there was a lot of production on this record. Yeah. As, as opposed to like the Catholic stuff, but there's zero production. It's all live in the studio. I see the importance of both, and I can also see the difference in the end product. Um, and I appreciate very much what the Catholics do. I love that stuff. It's just different. But to This, to me, was Frank Black, Charles Thompson, doing the absolute best that he could do. I think this is a bucket list record. This is well, a, like, I'm going to take my time. I know I have one amazing all-time great record in me, and I'm going to take my time and do it. That doesn't mean I'm not going to write more songs. It doesn't mean that everything I've done up to this point is crap. I just, this is, I'm going to do this. The one, And I bet it was fucking exhausting. I bet he's like, I'm never doing that again. Well, I also yeah. kind of feel like, I, I, I honestly think, like, this was a lot of stuff probably through, like, the Pixies' career that he just never brought to the table for them. And, that, like, this was his personal stash. I feel like this no. was, this was... These were his songs. And, and not to say mm -hmm. that anything else wasn't. It was just, this seemed like he got to do what he wanted to do yeah. for the first time. No, without, and just, yeah, like without just be able to be like, anything these or, are my songs. Yeah. I would this also say, having like. known a lot of the Pixies songs and listening to these songs and the Pixies songs, is I feel like, and I'm not trying to diss anybody by saying this, but I don't think the Pixies could have done these songs justice. And I think uh, this is why they were saved in a weird yeah, they way. Yeah, they, they were reserved. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think a lot of these songs actually may have existed during that time and didn't make it to Pixies records because right. of that. I think because he intentionally just said, were, at some point in my life, I'm going to assemble a team that can really do these songs justice. Yeah. And he got Lyle fucking working. I kind of feel the same it's, way. It's fucking Lyle working. Like these were always fucking his, work with so, that yeah, too. I'll fucking work with <laughs> All right. That is the show, ladies and gentlemen. We hope that we have inspired you to spend a little more time actively listening to music, specifically to this record. If you're feeling frisky, you can stay tuned after this for a section we call Lounge where we get a little loose. We talk about this day in music history and a Billboard Top 10 from back in the day. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please tell a friend. Subscribe, rate and review us. Get the word out there. Share us on your social media. Word of mouth is so much more important than uh, not word of mouth. So that really helps us. Uh, as How do you say said not word earlier, of mouth? <laughs> How do you say not with your words? Um, if you're feeling generous, please go on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. That helps us out, too. Uh, you can subscribe wherever the hell it is. You subscribe to things. You can listen on all the things. Uh, if you search for us on Spotify, you'll find the show. But also, if you search for Music Mostly Pod, you'll find our user profile, which is where you can find the music playlists for the shows. So you can listen to the music. It's a little convoluted, but there's nothing we can do about it. You can check out our website at musicmostlypod.com. You can find and follow us on stuff at musicmostlypod. You can hit us on Gmail at musicmostlypod at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. 
For Jimbo and Brian, this is Will signing off. We will see you in the lounge in just a minute. Welcome to the lounge, ladies and gentlemen. This is the part of the show where uh, we like to get a little loose, have a couple drinks, talk about this day in music history, talk about Billboard Top 10 from back in the day. As we record this, it is February 28th. Uh, On February 28th, 1976, Paul Simon's Still Crazy After All These Years was named Best Pop Vocal Performance and Album of the Year at the 18th Annual Grammy Awards. In his acceptance speech, Simon told the audience, I'd like to thank Stevie Wonder for not releasing an album this year. That's funny. That's funny. That, uh, uh, it's like you fast forward, uh, I want to say, 12 years in 1988 or 89 where Metallica won Best Metal Album for the Black Album. The year before or the year before that, they had Jethro, lost Jethro to Jethro Tull. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so, funny. yeah. But <clears throat> who do you uh, prefer, was, Stevie Wonder or Paul Simon? Who do Stevie. I prefer? Oh, yeah. Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Are you yeah, kidding 100%. me? Well, Simon can um, suck it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Jimbo. <laughs> this is a lounge, ladies and gentlemen. We're allowed to say that. <laughs> call me out. <laughs> yeah, call me out. I do like the lyrics. Like, we had ourselves some good times and we drank ourselves some beers. So crazy. You know, I will say, Paul all. Simon is an artist that I have kind of notoriously not liked. But I, I've, I've been giving it some time. I'm trying to come around. Well, there's a resurgence in his sound. There's a lot of bands that are trying very hard. Or not, and maybe they, you're right. trying, but and that's I mean, Vampire Weekend? Come on. Yeah, big time. Don't even, it, it sounds so much like Paul Simon. It's almost like they're a, a, like, a, true, like, a, like a continuation. It's very true. I wonder if Paul Simon true. is writing their damn songs. Well, maybe he should. Wouldn't that be weird? Wouldn't that be weird? Otherwise, he's another, probably, he's probably, he's like, like, I need another revenue stream. Because <laughs> <laughs> Edie Brickell ain't bringing any bank in, so, you know. Maybe it's, well, what would be the, the, the best would be, it's Art Garfunkel secretly just playing yeah, a Art, prank. Yes, Art's been writing all his songs. Like, all the, oh. Well, oh. I'll show you, Paul. Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Art Garfunkel. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, in 1981, country music star Eddie Rabbit crossed over to the pop chart to score a U.S. number one hit with I Love a Rainy Night. He had earlier written the Elvis Presley smash Kentucky Rain before having a number five hit with Driving My Life Away. Although it sounds like he, he made up a stage name, his real name is Edward Thomas Rabbit. That's preposterous. Yeah, he's already he's ready to go. <laughs> You don't. You don't even. You were need a born name, for right? success at that point. If you're, you know, mm-hmm. just by your name, just by your name, Mister. I always confuse him with uh, the, the guy that wrote all the songs, uh, Kenny Loggins, for some reason. I don't know why. Like in my brain, yeah. I have a hard time separating because I love a rainy night. I don't know. It's something like I'm all right. That's what it is. Oh, <laughs> rainy yeah, night. I'm all right. Yeah. yeah, that's why I have a problem with that. That's, that's I, why, my that's brain why. does a. There's like a gray, soft area that I haven't worked out, you know? <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in the middle of my brain. My mind, the, the, the left and the my right ain't working grapes. together. 
1983, U2 released their third studio album, War, produced by ah. your boy Brian Steve Lillywhite. The album yeah. has come to be regarded as U2's first overtly political album, in part because of songs like Sunday, Bloody Sunday, and New Year's Day. First number one album in the UK, knocking Thriller off the top of the charts. The, bo the boy on the cover of the album is Peter Rowan, the brother of Bono's friend. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Gugugi? G-U-G-G-I? From the Virgin Gucci, Prince. Gugi? Yeah, I don't know. Gugi? But uh, it's a great record. <laughs> Such a good record. So I remember. A big one. Blah, 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 blah. It's a great record. I mean, just like there's no. I mean that that so drum roll. Here's the, the thing. Every time I listen to a YouTube record, I'm like, oh, this is probably in this year, and it's always about ten years before I think it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were just. They have like, as much as I I, I kind of sometimes don't like. like okay, YouTube, let's just. I, I mean, let's just man. get it out there. Like. Bono's kind of a self-important douche. Of course. He's hard. He's easy to dislike. He's like Sting. Yes. Sting however, like, there are however. many redeeming qualities, and I, I'm, I don't want discount, to uh, discount him completely because I do no, like no, him no. very much. Because they are always, they've always been at the cutting edge, or at least when they yeah. were putting out records and relevant. Yeah, in the 80s He also and 90s. recently quoted, he, he's and, like, and I aughts. don't really like any of our music. <laughs> he's like, yeah. yeah. But that's such a Bono thing to say. Of course. Yeah. And that's the point. It's like, well, you're an asshole. But, <laughs> but um, I don't know. Still I mean, like they were always ahead of their time. Though. Way ahead yeah, of their time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is like, I mean, this is all building up to, like, they definitely have a, uh, Octung Baby is definitely a Blood Sugar Sex Magic Calm, Metallica yeah. Blab album type point in their career Pivotal. where it's either where you stopped or started listening yeah. To them, like that was like a hard turn. Yep. Yeah. Um. So for me, and like there I was production to it, value, and then songwriting production value. Yeah. No, it was like uh, that, that was like around the same time for like automatic for the people with REM. There was like yeah. I feel like there were there were definitely bands in that early or like the late eighties kind of indie thing that broke through. Yeah, they broke. And then in you know this was '94, REM put out Monster, which was like a big departure for them. That was like their big rock record, which is my favorite REM record. But we can talk about mine's, that mine's automatic episode. for the people. But mine's life life pageant. Jimbo, I'm surprised you even said. I, I, I'm surprised you gave a response. <laughs> no, I have a strong, I have very strong feelings about. Um, you like the I early. Very, you like the early. I, yeah. I like life's rich pageant. It's a, a great lot. record. Fuck, it's a great beautiful record. record. I would say, like, I I like Automatic for the People. I can make a strong case that Green would be my favorite record. See, now, in my, I had a band in high school. We played a lot of songs off Green. Yeah. But Green I, I would huge. say with R.E.M., for a lot of people, the first R.E.M. record that was important to them tends to be their favorite one forever. Well, as they're much like, with, like with 1994, because the majority of my favorite records came from 1994, that would be Monster from R.E.M. Yeah. Which is also this record. What's the frequency, Kenneth? In 1986, <laughs> George Michael announced that Wham! Exclamation point would officially split during the summer. Wham! became one of the most successful pop acts of the 80s, selling more than 30 million records worldwide from 82 to 86. The singles Wake Me Up Before You Go Go, Everything She Wants, and Careless Whisper all topped the Billboard Hot 100 in the U.S. Wake Me Up Before You Go Go is their best song, full stop. 
Sorry, wow. Andrew. Wow. <laughs> okay. Jitterbug. I, I mean, unless, I don't know, what, what, what's better? You tell what, me. Wham or Michael, wham. Jo- Michael um, George Michael or, or Wham? No, you tell me a better you're put, Wham. You're putting Wake Me Up Before You Go Go Before Careless Whisper. I am. Well, Careless Whisper is, is George Michael. It's not Wham. Or am I wrong? No, you're wrong. It's, it's, yeah. Ooh, I am very wrong. Oh, so I do apologize. So I, so, like I say, wrong. I say, I do apologize. <laughs> I do. <laughs> don't be foghorn leghorn. Um, in 1997, <laughs> Death Row Records boss Marion Suge Knight was sentenced to nine years in prison for violating his probation for a 1995 assault conviction. <laughs> Under U.S. law, Knight would not be allowed to run Death Row Records while in prison. Well, here's a t- interesting turn because he had a telephone. That guy's in jail forever, and now Snoop Dogg owns Death Row. Oh, that is God. The mid to late '90s in hip hop was just such Jesus. A, it's like like the um. It's like a goddamn soap opera, man. It was yeah. a torrent. Well, it was like but real life, and people were dying. We were just, I don't yeah. mean to make light of that because that's horrible, but well, and it's, it's like um. You know how like people in the '90s, like everybody was, you'd be like, like the worst thing you could do was sell out if you were like a like a band, and you sold out to like a major label. It's like the worst thing, and now nobody gives a shit. Right. It's the same thing. It was like there's all this like East Coast West Coast beef, and like now nobody gives a shit. Yeah, no one cares. It's so weird. And there was Shug a lot Knight of like literally I mean, in jail for the rest of his life for killing. Someone. Yes. And Snoop Dogg owns Death Row. I kind of think it's. Kind of did you see uh, Snoop Dogg? Did you see the Super Bowl halftime show this year? Yeah, uh, are oh, you yeah. asking me? Yeah, I, I did. Yes, and I, I was. Um, here are my thoughts. Do you want to hear them? All of them, most of them, <laughs> some of them, eighty percent of them. Okay. Let's start with let's start with one, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, so Mary J. Blige. Yeah. Um, a lot of what she was doing, they, they had a technician that was turning on and turning off her vocals, and turning on and off. Probably another guy who turned on and off pre-recorded stuff. It was very much orchestrating stuff, and choreographed. No, it wasn't. There were moments when they were actually live. Well, like, a, I'm going to do mix, this line, you, this line, and this line. I can make a, these sound really good. A, Let's do that. Everything else will be pre-recorded. It's like the artist actually probably picked it and said, I'll do this one, this one, and this one to give us a look that we're live. Now, when the musicians were on stage playing, nobody even had a wireless setup. No. They were just playing instruments that were not mic plugged or in. plugged yes, in we, we, at all. Yeah, we, this is like every Super Bowl. Yeah, it's, it's just so. Yeah. Sad. Well, not Prince's Super Bowl. No, no, because Prince. Prince no, of course not. This is why Prince wins. I'm just saying. This is why, why Prince, Prince always wins. wins. This is but, why but that'll Prince be the shortest episode ever. But I will say, <laughs> you're kind of right. Actually, um, actually. I, Episode Prince over. We just fucking did it. Wins. We don't even have to start the next he episode. Wins. We just I'm sorry, that Prince episode wins. right now. Yeah. No, but Prince. That's all I'm going to say anymore. We have to win an argument. Prince. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't take the Prince. He just played the Prince card. Um, the I will say uh, when Snoop, the way Snoop Dogg was dancing and the look, the smile on his face. Like he just, there was just so much pure joy, yeah, radiating out of him. Oh, I saw show. that, and also, and Dre, it just made me so dude, happy. Dre was having a super good time. Yeah. Everybody was. It was yeah. my. And favorite. it was just like, he's like, "This is the coolest thing I'll ever do." I think that Snoop, even though he's been and done all this shit, I think the Super Bowl halftime show for him might it's have high, been his crowning jewel. Yeah. 
And it's like, that's... Whereas for Prince, it was like, yeah, it was just another gig. Dude, well, yeah. another thing. And, and I'll I show up and play for him. Me that, fucking, yeah, I'm that shit hit way yeah. harder than Prince. And maybe I'm a little too young to fully appreciate when that happened, but... I just... My favorite part of the story of Prince's halftime show was that they called... And they were like, it's poor, like it's raining sideways. And we want to know, the production team was like, we want to know, like, is he still going to go on? And Prince's famous line was, with no no hyperbole, in all seriousness, as only he can say, he just said, can you make it rain harder? (laughs) That little man. That brilliant little man. He was a little brilliant man. Uh, if in my life I could have ever just like even stood in an elevator with him, I think my life you would have better. towered over him. But and, and I would have turned and said, "Hey," and uh, he probably would never talk to you either because it, yeah, yeah, probably not. He'd be like, yeah. He's probably surrounded of, by like a like a team of you know. And giant speaking of dudes. Uh, but that's speaking of ping pong, Prince apparently in real life, hell really of a ping good. pong player. Hello, have you seen New Girl? They, yeah, it's she, like a thing, they, right? They, they go to a party at Prince's house, and she plays ping pong yeah. with Prince all night, and he's badass. It's like a thing. He's very good at the game. <laughs> very good. And, oh. and also, apparently, quite a basketball player. Um, His shirts and blouses. Game. Pancakes. Blouses. Like the pancakes. Um, all right. You want to know who was born today? In 1942, English musician and composer Brian Jones, best known as the founder and original leader of the Rolling Stones. Mm. Born today, tragically... He passed away not long after forming the Rolling Stones. He placed an advertisement in Jazz News on May 2nd, 1962. Invited musicians to audition for a new R&B group. Came with the name Rolling Stones while on the phone with the venue owner who asked, what are you called? He saw a copy of The Best of Muddy Waters lying on the floor. Track one was Rolling Stone Blues. When Jones developed alcohol and drug problems, he became increasingly unreliable and was dismissed from the Rolling Stones in June of 1969. On July 3rd, 1969, he died drowning in his swimming pool. Ouch. It's just, yeah, that's bad. Yeah. So I was, I, was, I was actually, okay, so we, we were at work yesterday, or this morning, actually. It seems like yesterday. And on comes um, a cover of Live and Let Die, but done by Faces. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, obviously Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. But I'm like, is Jeff Beck involved in some way? Not really. No, Members it's, um, of the Jeff Beck band were in his band, in that band. It's fucking Ron Wood. Yeah, it's Ronnie Wood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's Ron Wood was involved in that. And then Ron Wood went on to be in the Rolling Stones. Right. And also a talented painter. I don't, I don't know if you've ever actually explored his. No, I, you're, you're right. I, I didn't really know that. I, I saw something recently. I met him in Orlando Airport, in the Orlando Airport one day, one time, and it was, I was in high school. I've been to that airport um, a lot. I, was, I, I went to high school, at a, or actually like a weird boarding school in, in out, right outside of Orlando, so I was flying out as a teenager, and I met Ron Wood. It was very interesting. He was on a tour of, of um, promoting his, 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 his paintings. They were very good. Even at that at that time, I thought I, I could appreciate what he was doing. I looked at them kind of recently, like his later stuff. So I, I think he's passed now, right? I think he's Ron Wood. I don't know. Yeah, I th- I'm not sure. No, I, no. 
don't Anyways, know. Anyways, getting weight, getting weight. Well, yeah, sorry, anyway, sorry. Yeah. That, was, that was a fucking tangent, man. Moving oh, along. Oh. Yeah. In, uh, in 1952, Eddie Man- Mannion, American saxophonist from the Jersey Shore group Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. Happy birthday to him. As a session musician, he has recorded and toured with the boss himself, Diana Ross, Gary U.S. Bonds, Bon Jovi, Willie DeVille, Dave Edmonds, Little Steven, Bob Dylan, Keith Richards, the Allman Brothers Band, and Graham Parker. Do you think he has a, an affliction for Jersey? Because yeah, I'm sorry, those who's the boss from Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The boss of who? He's he's just the boss. Like it's kind of like how how Derek G, like the the New York Yankees have like how many people in the Baseball Hall of Fame? How many players? And like of all of the Yankees in the Hall of Fame, he's the one who's called the captain. He's just the boss, man. You know who he is. I mean, I just... Uh, Mattingly, I told you to shave those sideburns. <laughs> uh, 1957, happy birthday to Cindy Wilson, singer and founding member of the B-52s. Yeah. You know them, Love Shack, Rock Lobster. Please don't say Love Shack. Summer's coming. I have weddings that I have to do, and it's going to be painful as fuck. Do you ever want to sing Glove Slap, like from The Simpsons? Uh, Love Slap! Glove Slap! Gonna go slap. Oh my God! I don't take I, crap. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start saying that. Yeah. Fuck them. They've already. Oh, you checks never gave away a beer before. I ain't never been slapped with no dueling glove before. I challenge you. To do it. <laughs> uh, 1957, English musician, songwriter, and record producer Ian Stanley. With Tears for Fears, he had the 1985 U.S. number one and U.K. number two single "Everybody Wants to Rule." The world and played a key role in the making of songs from the big chair. Beautiful. Happy birthday, Ian Stanley. Thank you for that record. That was a great record. I, d- I, I will say that is probably the greatest seven song record ever. Yeah, it is short. It's, it's, it's noticeably short. It's noticeably um, short, but you don't feel like it's lacking. You never feel slighted. Yeah. It's a collection of great songs. Yeah, it's all killer. I don't think of it as an album. I think it is a, a collection of great songs. You know, it's just like uh, a handful of songs that are really good. Literally a, a small handful. Literally. 50% of them international super hits. Hold on. That's what, that's what <laughs> an album is, actually, too. Okay, never mind. <laughs> um, in 1971, English record producer, recording engineer, musician Nigel Godrich, best known for his work with Radiohead. He's a member of Adams for Peace with Tom York and... Ultraista, other acts Godrich ha- has worked with include Beck, Paul McCartney, U2, REM, Pavement, and Roger Waters. So, I know you guys are fans of radio. So, what, it's his birthday or what? It's his birthday. Um, I also believe it's pronounced Goodrich. Goodrich. My apologies to Nigel um, Goodrich. I don't know that for sure. I know there's only one O, but from what I've heard, I think it's Nigel, Nigel Goodrich. Okay, and also may I take a quick aside? And Brian, can we talk about this? Adams for Peace was what? It was it was? Oh, that's Tom was, York um, and Flea, Flea, and the drummer from Rage Against the Machine. Okay, Brad Wilk. Yes, Brad Wilk. So, so it was on the radio. It was on Spotify for Actually, a long time, and uh, then I, disappeared. Can you that. find it on Spotify right now? I, but you can't. I will look right now. Hold on. I'm guessing it'll come up, but it won't be playable. Artist, Adams for Peace. Song, Ingenue. Oh, no, it's on there now. Oh, it is now? Okay. For a yeah. long time, it wasn't. It Tom disappeared. Flea. 
They just had the one record. Oh, it's Joey Warnaker. It's. But that happens. That's always like record label bullshit. That happens, and they come down for a second until they can figure out who gets paid. Right, and, right, right, and right. Then it goes back up. It's a uh, really good record, by the way. We should probably put that on the list. I will put that on the list. Not it's the weird. It's weird. But but it's, it's good. Uh, let's see here. In 1970, the Grateful Dead played the family dog at the Great Highway, San Francisco, California. Here, the dead are working their way through the transition from the psychedelic sound they had perfected so well by 1969 to the more rock and roll and Americana sound of the early 70s. It's a very good transitional show. Go to GratefulDeadOfTheDay.com if you want to listen to it. It's quite good. You know, I, I'm sorry, that but dead. I don't think that actual transition that they're talking about exists. I think that <laughs> it's always sounding like the fucking dead, and it's there's no way that it can't. I think that's horseshit. It doesn't actually exist. That's just something that people say in order to talk about the Grateful Dead, to make them sound more interesting, to lend them credit, because they don't deserve it. They really do not. I'm sorry, they, they don't. Why? Why is that, Jabo? Talk because about that. they just kind of suck. It's just it's it's not okay. I understand why people are really head over heels about this. I get it. It's like it helped me so much to find the ways I was feeling was on certain drugs, and you know I was able to actually explore my feelings in a way. And then I danced really hard, and this girl um, came to me. She smelled a little bit like patchouli in pits, but. That'll God, happen. God, it was awesome. <laughs> so, I, I, and then, and I don't know. Dude, I've been listening to some Jerry Garcia solo stuff. I am not a dead fan. I'm just, I I'll, I think we all know that. I, I, we, some we of Jerry Garcia's solo stuff is mind-blowing to me. I never yeah. gave it credit, I think, because I wasn't a dead fan. And I'm listening to it. And it's kind of it's kind of changed my ways. Yeah, you feeling I, I different ways I don't, about stuff. I'm it's feeling, not that I'm I don't, feeling ways about stuff. It's not that I don't want to hear this from you, Brian. It's just now I have to make know, an adjustment that I'm not ready. It's like it's like watching. Okay, here's what it's like. It's like watching Star Trek up to when J.J. Abrams got a hold of it, and then Enterprise came along, and we had to make a, a new decision. We had to re-extend, we had to further extend our suspension of disbelief in order to include a new brand of Klingons that we had never seen before. They were darker, they were meaner, they were more lizard-like. They were not the original Klingons we remember from the series. And, I mean, okay, okay, all right, okay. From the original series, they, all they had is <laughs> Manchu mustaches and that was it. But, from, but then they handled that. But that was that was. Like, hold on, this that was handled. That was handled. Okay. Problem so solved. In, so in Deep Space Nine, all right. There's a moment when they go back to the oh, Tribbles okay. episode. Okay. Hold on, I, hold on. <laughs> let me let me do this. I got to do this right now. Okay. In Deep Space Nine, there's a moment when they go back to the Tribbles episode. Okay. And there they see the old Klingons, and Worf is there, and he has to wear headgear so that they can't see his fucking, you know, you know tortoise shell forehead thing going on, right? So there's a moment when they're like, the Klingons are misbehaving in like the dining hall, but like the old school Klingons with just the Manchu mustaches and nothing else. And at a certain point, one of the other characters turns to Warf and says, 
those are Klingons? And Worf <laughs> says this. Worf's character says this. He says, <laughs> we do not speak of this. <laughs> And I'm fine with that. That's all you have to say. At least just point it out. Address it for a second. That's all. I'm happy with that. Uh. <laughs> okay. Moving along. You good? Yes. I'm just saying okay. Star okay. Trek sucks. No, no. I mean, I'm, it's the way I live my life. Whatever. And the prime directive is very much important to me. Gotcha. Never... Let the uh, the lower cultures know that I am um, actually evolved. Oh, gotcha. Right. And, well, I know Vulcans. I've met some. So yeah, I, I know you have. We all know you. Have. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we're gonna do the his the Billboard Top Ten from June fourth, nineteen ninety four, because this is the closest one uh, to the release date of Teenage of the Year that does not feature an artist who I don't want to talk about. So, Ooh, who's the one you want to talk about? Just say the name. <laughs> <laughs> I just, so just want to know who it is. I'll tell you later off, Mike. Uh, um, shit. So, uh, so we're going to talk about it. So, number one on June. So, this is like, all right, you go back to like all of the records that came out this year. This was what the top 10 was in pop. Hold on. Was it Phil Collins? Was it Phil Collins? It was not Trying Phil to avoid Collins. Phil Collins? Okay. Nope. Nope, nope. Sorry. Keep I'll going. always talk about Phil Collins. I know you will. I know. I mean, how are you going to not talk about his Genesis is great? Oh, was it Peter Gabriel? Because you didn't want me to go off on Peter Gabriel? <laughs> you Peter Gabriel did like not have a hit in 94, and you know he didn't have a hit in 94. Um, I love to be loved. I love to be loved. Love to be loved. He had Steam, but Steam was earlier, right? That was in like 91, 92. Anyway, number one this week is I Swear by All for One. Remember that one? I swear, I swear by the, by the moon, moon and, and the stars. stars and meow, the meow. Stars. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so that was number one. Number two was I'll Remember by Madonna. Remember that one? I'll remember. That's all I remember. I like, I like it. It was, I will remember you. That was different. That was somebody else. <laughs> No. Let um, yourself go. I love in uh, there's there's the this episode of Thirty Rock where where Jack Donaghy gets demoted to the twelfth floor, <laughs> <laughs> and his, his assistant he's in charge of microwaves. He's like, I will, and then he just looks and he's like, No, Jonathan. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, number three was the sign by Ace of Base. That's just a <sighs> banger. It still holds up, man. I think I still have that on cassette. That's sweet, Swedish here. pop, man. It just hang, it just holds on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. <sighs> yeah, I just think you guys should read. Honestly, there's so many things I wouldn't even think of at all if I weren't doing this right now. It's like I, I literally would not have this thought in my head right now. But I mean, what you just said. Oh, it's, oh, not, gotcha. it's not an original thought. It's a thing oh, you just gotcha. said. Just um, like, it's no fine. one would have we're, fed me this except for exactly what I'm saying. We're going to talk about an exactly one, two, three, four, f four songs <laughs> again. So. Oh, yeah, we will. Um, <laughs> number five, number four is Return to Innocence by Enigma. You remember that one? That had like all this like kind of chanting, like, oh. wait, Enigma? Yeah. The Return to Innocence. There's like oh, a whisper I track. Do and then oh, like, yeah. And then Dude, it was like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, it's like a monk yeah. chanting. Yeah. yeah. It, that was a, like, that was a, uh, it's why a good song, was man. that? Why a was track. that so big? I have no idea. What it was, was a that? huge hit. 
It was a huge hit. Uh, number five, Speaking of Prince, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World by there Prince. You go. It's a great track. Yeah, it is really good. And that's um, New Power Generation, I believe. Yeah, this was the, the 90s, so that would have been. NPG. NPG. Uh, my sourdough starter during COVID was called Prince and the New Sour Generation. That's very clever. I That's know. I thought it was really clever. <laughs> it was, uh, it's punny and dad jokey. I just I thought it was great. Uh, number six, uh, Baby, I Love Your Way by Big Mountain. I don't know if you yeah. remember this like hippie white reggae cover of Peter Frampton. Yeah. Number seven, Don't Turn Around by Ace of Base. God. Two in the top Damn. ten. Don't oh, turn yeah. around. Simply the best. Did no one else like celebrate this record? I did. It's a great record. Like when it came out. uh, If you have like a group of people and you want to do some karaoke, you can't go wrong with this bass. Cannot go wrong. Well, apparently the, the king people of, disagree and they the want to use karaoke. like other horrible things that are really, really bad. Oh, it's the bass is just like it always puts people in a good mood. That's great. Yeah. It's so it's like like ABBA. It's just so innocuous. It's like what, yeah. what's your problem with? Wait, did, did they also <laughs> see the? Did they also see the sign? Was that them? Yeah, yeah, that was I them. Saw the sign. That was no, track the, number three. We, we just talked, we just about, talked that about that a minute ago, like seconds ago. <laughs> you were here, literally seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was here. Which is probably why you're remembering here. now that we just talked about it. Yeah, it's a softness in the brain that happens when you pour whiskey through a hole in the top of your head. <laughs> um, I can't number, get drunk anymore unless uh, I pour it in the hole. Man. Unless I pour it in there, I got this hole. <laughs> it's other hole. <laughs> it's eight. just for pouring the whiskey. <laughs> number eight was uh, Regulate by Warren G and Nate Dogg. Rest in peace, yes. Nate Dogg. It's a great track. Yeah. Uh, Michael McDonald sample? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a new like mix Oh, that one's hard. That, that one's has, really that, really has his verse cut into it. It's really great. Um, that is What's the thing I heard? The, oh, I'm sorry. I, I just heard something earlier today that was awesome. It was, it was, it's not really a standard hip hop song, but it was actually a sample. It wasn't even a sample, actually. We decided it wasn't a sample of Take a Look at My Girlfriend, Girlfriend. She's oh, that's, um, that's, that's uh, Jim Cross Heroes. Yeah, 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 Super. yeah. Um, so one of said they're actually singing it, and, and I thought that was kind of cool. I know those guys. Oh, they're Ithacans, right? They're from uh, Geneva. They used to... uh, Geneva, yeah. Well, one of them is from Batavia. I knew him actually, like, growing up, kind of. And then they would come to Guitar Center when I worked in Rochester all the time. Nice. And it was weird, because they were really popular, but it never seemed that way. Hmm. I mean, with that one song, what are you going to do? So there you go. There you go. Uh, not number- much of a girlfriend. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, I prefer Super. What the hell was I going to say? Oh, also, uh, Regulate the G-Funk era by Warren G. That album, probably my best, in my mind, the best G-Funk album. I know what that Sonic. means, G- G-Funk. Just the way the music sounds. I'm not saying he's a better rapper than anybody. I'm not. I'm just saying I just really I mean, like the music I mean- on that record. Well, there's Snoop, the whole dog pound. Ah, but, but oh, not like that though. But that 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 album is it's slightly different. It's really good. So do yourself a favor, let's do it. Uh, number nine, "You Mean the World to Me" by Tony Braxton. That one I don't, I don't remember. I don't. I do but I, I love Tony Braxton. Just I was very attracted to Tony love. Braxton. Yeah, that'll that's happen. A, I, sorry, sorry, Tony Braxton. <laughs> sorry. 
apologize, Tony Braxton, if you're out I there just, listening to our podcast, which we're guessing you're like not. The, it speaks to like what a lady she is that you're like, I'm sorry I said that, Tony Braxton. Yeah, like she's better than that. Like she doesn't need me she's, finding she's her She's better than that. I just happen to find uh, her attractive. And number 10, back and forth by Aaliyah. May she rest in peace. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna check real quick on Spotify. I, th- I feel like her catalog is also like snatched. It's just like caught up in record company hell. But no, I, that, she's got stuff on here now. Sorry, I said the word snatch just then. Uh, yeah, that was that was kind of creepy. I don't yeah. feel like you shouldn't say that. No, Until her catalog's on there now too. So fan, fucking tastic. Snatch. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> All right, we good? Everybody good? I think so. Okay. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's pull the cord. All right. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for joining us. Until we meet again, always, always, always be better and get a victory every day. They tried to give me advice down at the record shop. This may come as a shock, but it's all right.